It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into the Smoky Mountain Organic VolQuest podcast. Three locations in East Tennessee, one right here in Knoxville, 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Trader Joe's. You can always shop online, SmokyMountainOrganics.com. East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products that help with remedies for a variety of ailments. That's SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Of course, we are so very close to reaching 12,000 on the YouTube page. So follow the VolQuest YouTube page by just searching VolQuest on YouTube as well. Just another way to uh, get some information on the YouTube channel. But guys, we got a whole lot to get into today. Camp is officially over as I'm speaking with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Eric Kane. And Tennessee is now moving into game week preparation. Of course, still a little less than two weeks out, but still getting closer to game week. And you've, you've shifted the focus from competition and fighting for spots because, I mean, there's still that ongoing, don't get me wrong. But now it's to game week. Uh, Austin Price, some big takeaways from fall camp right now, maybe some surprises, um, as we said, just uh, nine days away from kickoff. Yeah, the, the coaching staff spent most of Sunday uh, putting in the game plan for Ball State. Now they'll have a little bit longer of a game week, so to speak, as they build towards uh, next Thursday's opener. Um, you know, the biggest takeaway from fall camp is pretty healthy uh, on the whole. Um, you know, I mean, are they a few nicks and bruises? Sure. But uh, there's nobody that's, you know, down and out and not going to make it back by by next Thursday night. Like, like right now, Jalen Wright is probably north of 80%. Um, and by next Thursday will be basically a hundred, you know, but you know, he would be technically one of those you would consider dinged up a little, you know, if, if the game was tonight, but it's not. So um, there's still plenty of time for those, you know, a few guys that are banged up to, to get back full go for next week. I think that's the biggest takeaway is just health. There's still some question marks, it's question marks at left tackle question marks in the secondary, just because you have a lot of bodies, but you know, who can you count on? Who can you not? Questions with Brew McCoy, questions with, you know, the wide receiver position just, you know, outside of Cedric Tillman. Um, and Rob, you know, I'm not sure we're going to know any of those answers until you just turn the lights on and let them play. We'll surely know about Brew McCoy by the time they turn the lights on. What do you think? That's – I mean, I know we're going to get into that a little bit more later, but I was just – my if we're talking biggest takeaways, I mean, I've said it before, I I, I feel like there's a lot more depth. I think that really shows up on defense. I think that shows up at linebacker. You got a legit too deep, and then you got you know some freshmen who, you know, as your your third string guys, and that that to me look like they have bright futures. AP touched on a lot of bodies in the secondary. We don't know how they're all going to shake out yet, but I do think for the first time in several years, Tennessee is going to have some guys in the secondary who are good players that have a hard time getting on the field, which I, I don't think's been the case around here for for quite some time. And, you know, running back's a question mark. Receiver's a, receiver's a question mark. And, and AP, I mean, where do you feel like the, the two deep is set? I mean, going into this week, or is it still some wiggle room there? I think there's some wiggle room on the defensive line. Um, I think there's some wiggle room at left tackle. I think there's some wiggle room at receiver. But everything else I think is pretty much set. Um, maybe even corner. I think there's some wiggle room at corner. Uh, to, to Rob's point, I, I don't know if, like, to put this on a letter scale, I don't think, know if Tennessee's got any A-plus players in the secondary. 
but I don't think they're going to be trotting out any C's either. Like I mean, or, I think D's. or D's or D's as they maybe have. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of B's, B's plus, B pluses, like you know, just really good solid players. Yeah, I think so that's like a good I think way the, to floor, put it the floor is much higher in the secondary than in years past. Um, you know, at least that's how I, I look at it. I think that's I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, you're not necessarily going to see this against Ball State because the expectation is you're going to see a whole lot of players playing. But, again, when you get into a critical third down, you know, when you get late in the in the second half, late third quarter, late fourth quarter, when everybody's tired, you know, seeing who they put out there, who they can count on. Uh, you know, Tennessee played two safeties last year. You know, when Wesley Walker gets back, you know, and healthy, can he slide back and play a little safety? Could Andre Turrentine slide in there? Um, and, of course, we know about the corners and all that. So I'm intrigued to see – kind of how all that plays out again you might not know that week one but do feel like Tennessee's in a spot to where uh, they can do that especially on defense now surprises you know for me I, I think in terms of a player maybe to Mary McDonald you know what a camp he's had he's yeah, you know, took advantage of spring I feel like with a lot of people out it's taken advantage late in camp when Wesley Walker was a bit dinged up um, but he you know is going to play a lot of football and is on track at this point in time to, to start at that star position so I think he's a surprise name earlier in camp that was mentioned by Rodney Gardner, Dominic Bailey. You know, how much does he play on the defensive line? I think the freshmen, especially the Joshua Josephs, Dylan Sampson are two names. Squirrel White have been mentioned an awful lot. So uh, health has been a, a big one, relatively healthy. Some freshmen stepping up and overall depth, I feel like, has been kind of the theme here this fall camp, Austin. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I, the one thing I you know like about you know, T-Mac is – he just kind of goes about his business, you know, just kind of business, you know, very workmanlike. Um, and it's kind of flew under the radar a little bit. So, you know, I think for this team, you know, they're going to play a lot of bodies against Ball State. But knowing this coaching staff and knowing most coaches, actually, it's not even just this coaching staff, it's knowing most coaches, the week, the following week when they're at Pittsburgh, they're going to rely on the veterans, you know, because they know on the road, you know, who they feel like they can count on and, and so on and so forth. So some of those young guys, they will get a shot against Ball State. They're going to have to continually prove, though, that they're worthy of being on the field because all coaches, you know, kind of fall into that, you know, I, I know where this guy's going to be type thing when they get into those tough situations, especially on road games. Let me ask you this, Austin. Um, this is kind of a question that I've been asked the last couple of days, and um, I, I think I have the correct answer to it, but – Tennessee suffered some injuries on the offensive line last year. Let's take left tackle out of, the, out of the conversation right now, as we know that's still unresolved. You know, if, if there's an injury to, you know, Cooper Mays or to one of the guards, um, I, I feel like right now the backup center would still be Jerome Carvin. I feel like at some point they want to play Addison Nichols. And so whether that means, you know, coming in to spell Cooper at center or at guard, I think Addison Nichols will be there before it's all said and done. But right now, as the season starts, would you say that's the case, or would they rely on a veteran such as Ollie Lane or maybe Jackson Lampley? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think initially they would rely on the veterans. Um, you know, I'm not sure if they rely on them long term, but I think initially, especially like if somebody had to go out for a series um, for whatever reason, I 100 think they go veteran over the young guy. You know, and I, I think it's going to be up to Addison Nichols to prove it in practice, prove it, you know, when he gets in games in garbage time. Or, like, if they, you know, if they're just forced to go to him, prove it, prove it then. Like, again, you know, coaches, you know, kind of fall into that habit of, of relying on, you know, older, more experienced players. 
uh, than they do young guys. You know, I think Tennessee's probably biggest fear on the whole as a team is what if something happened to Darnell Wright? You know, they need him to be really, really healthy all year. And I knock on the wood as I say this. So, um, you know, they, they need him to be really, really good and really, really healthy. Last thing on the camp conversation before we move on, Rob Lewis, I, I do think, and it's week one, and I understand that a lot of times you're working out the kinks, but this offense, Brent Hubbs alluded to it in the three two one piece on Monday, this offense is going to go fast. It might even be faster uh, than what it looked like last season. You return four or five starting offensive linemen, of course, your quarterback. I think this offense is going to look, and we'll see if it can produce like it did uh, a season ago, uh, but this offense is going to be fast, and, and that's because there's a lot of vets coming back on that side of the ball. Yeah, and especially the guy pulling the trigger, Hendon Hooker. I mean, I think I've you know Coach Heifel's been asked about this some, but I mean, I think Hooker's had a quiet camp, but not really. I mean, I think he's been really good, and I think we all just kind of you know take it for granted, um, you know, after the season he had last year. But um, you know, and so that's not something that Heifel gets asked about very often. But when we get access to him, it's you know, what about the left tackle? What about the running back depth mm-hmm. chart? What about Bruce McCoy? And you know, I think people are. I don't. It's not fair to say people are sleeping on on Hendon, but I I don't know that people are really appreciating just what a luxury it's going to be to have a guy back who had the success that he did last year. I mean, it's been. I mean, when, when did Josh Dobbs take him up? Two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's really been wondering in the quarterback wilderness since then. I mean, every preseason, you know, you you've been. I mean, you knew you knew Guarantano was going to be your quarterback a couple of those preseasons but I mean I don't think anybody had a ton of confidence that you know that was going to lead to to the, to the promised land whereas I and I, I think you're right Eric I, mean, I think they're going to go faster I, I think they're going to be just as productive if not more and that's because I, mean, I, I think when you talk to people you know you hear you just hear glowing glowing things about him and Hooker and, and the strides he's made a name you mentioned right there there was a lot of chatter over the weekend first of this week Brew McCoy of course uh, still a hurdle to clear, according to Josh Heupel. When we spoke with him on Friday, there was no update. He praised the administration for doing everything they possibly can can do. There's been some reports out over the weekend. Austin has chimed in. Austin, I'll just let you take the floor, man. What's the latest in the Brew McCoy situation with Tennessee, Southern Cal, the NCAA, and, of course, the season right around the corner? Well, there there were two options here, and this is why Tennessee's felt good the whole time. It's because USC had a, had led them to believe, and so had they had led the family to believe, they were going to sign the NPO, um, the non-participation opportunity, um, you know, form. And which, if they did that, then he becomes immediately eligible. Why does he need that? Because he transferred before. If he had not transferred before, he'd be more like Jordan Addison. He'd just go to and from, and, and he'd be eligible automatically. But because he was not going to be allowed to participate at Southern Cal, then if they sign the NPO, he's allowed to participate somewhere else well they've led everyone to believe they would do this then they started pulling back my theory is that outside counsel which is consulted on these uh matters is is fearful that the mccoy family could potentially sue southern cal when there were no charges filed for not allowing their kid to play there when you know, by the letter of the law, he did nothing wrong, you know, and, and I think they're fearful of that lawsuit. Now, you know, could potentially, you know, some resolution come where, you know, the family agrees to not 
do anything legally if you know they signed the MPO. Yeah, you could get to that point, I guess. Um, Tennessee went ahead and went to option two here recently, um, not over the weekend, but you know, back you know before that, which was go the NCAA waiver route, um, you know, and and see if they can get that done because you know USC was dragging their feet too long on this. So again, USC in an effort to try to help Brew McCoy's case and not sign the MPO has put out their their statement urging, you know, him to be able to, you know, be eligible. Well, that's great. But again, you could make that happen with the magic wand um, or to put it in Disney terms, guys, with pixie dust by signing the MPO and they've failed to do so. Um, so, you know, it's pretty much there. You're waiting on the NCAA to look at this case to, you know, rule on this case if they rule against brew mccoy i would say tennessee will double back to southern cal and there'll probably be some strong arming there you know um you know because at the end of the day southern cal you know is is you know put everybody in this situation when they could have moved on and i mean in, in today's modern era of college athletics where justin powell's bounced from auburn to tennessee now to washington state where kids are ruled eligible um and where everyone's scared of a lawsuit you know, one would think that, that cooler heads prevail on this in the end, but here we are sitting here on, you know, August, what, 22nd, 23rd, and, you know, nothing has happened. We're, you know, less than 10 days out. So so the question everybody's wondering right now, I mean, and you, you don't have the answer to this, I would assume, but timeline here. I mean, NCAA, they drag their feet all the time. There's What's no, the timeline there's, here? There, there is no timeline with the NCAA. It could happen five minutes from now. It could happen 14 days from now. Yeah, you know there is no timeline with them. Now, the one good notion that Tennessee does have is Dondi Plowman has deep ties at the NCAA, and 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 I think that you know her and Danny White can get this thing ruled upon quicker than most. So we'll see. Again, it's the NCAA. There's no rhyme or reason to rulings. There's no rhyme or reason to uh, how quick or how you know slow they they move um but like tennessee right now since they're having to go this route they're they're at the mercy of the ncaa which is why josh heupel said it's out of his hands out of Bruce's hands you know it, this is a, a wait and see a, a wait and see deal uh for tennessee right now but again if if usc if usc wanted to they could sign the paper and make him eligible with a snap of a finger so, Rob Lewis, now that Tennessee's in game week preparations, in, in your opinion, how would that affect the way McCoy practices? He's been practicing as if he's going to play all camp long, but now you start getting into those first-team reps and those team portions of practice to where you want your unit out there that's going to be out there to be to be practicing together. If you're Josh Heupel, kind of how would you manage that? And, and more so than anything, if he's not out there, I think a guy that has been consistent all through camp that you're going to see kind of help fill that void would be Walker Merrill. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to start dialing back his reps, Eric, especially when you're, you know, it, it, it would be different if you had a, you know, decorated veteran behind him who had played a lot of football, but that's not the case. I mean, you know, Walker played some last year as a freshman and, you know, I think built a nice, you know, has a nice foundation to build on, but it's it's not like you're turning to a guy who's, you know, played a ton of football, especially on the road. You're going to have a big road game early. Mm -hmm. So I just think, you just can't take anything for granted with the NCAA. I mean, I think Tennessee fans <laughs> know that as much as any fan base in America. And, and you know, if, if there's 
you know, if his eligibility is in limpo, then then I think you have to start force feeding some reps to some other guys. And you're and you're right. I mean, that's I think that's one of the reasons we all felt like it was just a matter of time because Tennessee was practicing him and repping him, you know, like a like a starter. I mean, you know, they weren't at least you know the first couple of weeks of fall camp. But I, I think you have to change that now through, with, with the uncertainty, and and you know do the do the best thing you can for your football team to get guys ready who you know are going to be able to play. Yeah, I mean, he'll still work. Don't get me wrong. It's not like he's going to be sitting out of practice. He's still going to be there. Oh, yeah. He's still going to be working if they choose to go that route, which I just – I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, you get in the game week preps, you got to got to have those guys out there. So, same names we've been hearing all camp long. Walker Merrill, Romel Keaton, you know, some of these guys, Jimmy Holiday a little bit, uh, you know, out there on the outside, Chaz Nimrod. Austin, last thing on this, I would assume it's going to be by committee until they find some guys that can stick if Brew is not out there week one. Yeah, I mean, even if Brew is out there week one, you're going to play multiple guys. Like, you want to see what some of these guys can do. You're playing ball state. You're supposed to win the game by 30 points. So, you're going to play a lot of receivers in that first game against ball state. And plus, let's face it, Cedric coming, you know, if all things go well, he gets some run in the first half and he's watching most of the game. You know, same thing with Hendon Hooker. I mean, you know, I think you want to continue to sharpen Joe Milton because you never know. I mean, a yep. year ago, Hinton Hooker got knocked out of a game when he took a big shot. You, you're going to need um, to have Joe as sharp as can be. Um, and, and so I think the more, you know, run you can get with him, the better. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of names that, that I think you'll talk about coming out of week one with the wide receiver position that just saw action, maybe not caught footballs, but saw action. One name you won't, you know, be talking about coming. You stole out my line. I was going to say. This. I know. I beat you to it. Is <laughs> Jay Dixon? Um, you know, because he's no longer here. Why is that? What What ultimately happened with Lynn Jay Dixon? We know that he showed up a couple of days late. Obviously, a late ad. Uh, know that he wasn't getting much reps. Of course, his acclimation period, learning the offense, suffered an ankle injury. He's been out the last week, week and a half or so. Ultimately, what was it for those two parties to part ways? Well, I just think that it wasn't a fit. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't a fit at all. Um, you know, I, I know with Lynn Jay, you know, he, he's kind of found, you know, unstable ground late in his career at Clemson, then in West Virginia, now here. And it's just probably hard to see him playing football again unless he just goes down and somebody takes a chance on him at, you know, a D2 or D3 school. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I know a lot of people on campus wish him nothing but the best, but you know, it, the, the, the parties, it was just, uh, let's put it this way. Best, best that it happened after 18 days or whatever than 180 days, you know, uh, this, this will not affect Tennessee one bit. He was here such a short amount of time. He was never involved in real game plan. He was never involved in a game that no one will notice. And when they took the team picture, which was the day he was on his visit, he was not part of that. So they don't have to Ray Finkel this thing and add him to the picture <laughs> later in the year. You know, like, the, the, you know, it, it, you know, again, with the way it played out, this was best possible scenario um, for someone who was not going to play. I said when they took him, he was highest ceiling, lowest floor. And, and I really didn't think there was an, an in-between and Tennessee got the lowest floor. Yeah, and AP, I mean, based on conversations or comments you made to me and Eric and some others last week, I, I, you're, you're not shocked. No, not at all. Um, you know, again, you know, not not sure he was really bought in. 
And then, like I said, just not a fit culturally, um, not a fit in the room. And Tennessee, I, I again, I, I think some people are going to go, well, they should have never taken him. It's a flyer. It fly- it's a flyer. It, it was worth yeah. a flyer, and this didn't cost you. If, if he flames out mid-October and he's been in your room and he's caused division, then that could cost you. This this was a, you know, this was a, you know, let's, let's take a chance, pull the – pull the wheel, you know, playing, you know, slots and see if we win big. If not, then we've lost a penny. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the Atlanta Braves this summer, taking a flyer on Robinson Cano. I mean, he was there for three weeks. Didn't cost him anything but the league minimum. See what you can get. Nothing. Send him on his way. Um, Tennessee was in this position before. You know, they added body. Was nowhere close to helping. My thought was always, you know, give him midseason. Get midseason. Maybe he can get you a couple touches per game, but he was nowhere close to actually helping uh, at this point in time. So, uh, Rob Lewis, that's something that continues the conversation. We, we're talking about these freshman tailbacks. You got four scholarship running backs. Dylan Sampson and Justin Williams Thomas will play, not just in week one. They're going to be relied on all season long. So, it's good to hear that both of those guys are making progress, but ultimately, you're not going to know, you know, anything until the, the lights turn on with those guys, until they really feel the game environment and all that type of stuff. And that week two game at Pitt's going to be big for both of those guys. Yeah, I mean, and I think even with, you know, with Lin J here, we all thought they were going to have to play early because I mean, how soon was Dixon going to be able to get, you know, get get deep into the playbook to the point where you really trusted him on the road on third and four or whatever? But yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt the the two freshman backs are going to play. I mean, just the nature of the position in the SEC, I mean, it's, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't, you know, you're not going to see guys stay healthy, you know, generally for 12, 14 weeks to, to where you're not going to need, need your depth. And, um, you know, Jabari and, and Jalen Wright have both, I'm not saying they're injury prone. I'm just saying you played 12 games in this league and you're, you're probably going to have a, a bum ankle or a tender knee or something at some point in time. My point being, I'll be stunned if, the two freshmen don't have a role on this team at, at some point in time, just because, you know, Tennessee needs the depth. And on the other hand, it sounds to me like they were on their way to earning a role anyway. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, part of that's depth related, but I think both those kids have also impressed. I mean, Samson has quickly earned a reputation as one of the fastest guys on the team. Um, you know, Williams Thomas was here in the spring, so he's got that advantage. And again, you know, Pass protection is a, is a big, big thing. You can't underestimate that because you're not going to play a guy that you think is going to get your quarterback killed. But I just think that if you're if you're a player and, and you know you got some the athleticism, I think that's the easiest spot to play as a freshman, just because it's so much about instinct and vision and, and things that you can't coach. Now, pass protection you can coach, and and you've got to you've got to be on top of that. But just as a ball carrier, I mean, if you can run the football, I mean, you can run the football, in my opinion. Well, we're going to come back to you for a hoops comment here in just one second. But the thought with those two young guys as well, just like with anybody on a football team, it's not going to be perfect early on, but the hope is you get better and better and better and better, especially for those two young freshmen of the in the backfield for any freshman and anybody playing. So uh, they'll play an awful lot. But uh, what I want to know is you got four scholarship running backs. Injuries happen. There, there's going to have to be somebody that goes back there in an emergency type situation last year. Marcus Pierce, you know, walk-on running back. We've mentioned him a time or two. Uh, he got some carries last season. Uh, Austin Price, you envision uh, something to that nature happening this year? Hopefully not, but nature of a nature of college football is you go through some running backs. Tennessee's no different. 
Yeah, no doubt. I, I say on the board on Sunday, Princeton Fant will be the emergency tailback. You know, could they end up wearing somebody else in over time? Sure. Um, but it, it certainly feels like they'll roll with what they have, and Princeton Fant will uh, will be that guy. Problem is, they're thin at tight end, too. So, uh-huh. I mean, like, I mean, like, it's just not ideal. You need Miles Campbell. I mean, this camp, Miles Campbell, I felt like, and not that he's been bad, Austin, but I felt like he could have really helped himself out this camp. Charlie Browder is going to get some run. Because I think Princeton Fan, even on third downs, you might put him back there just to protect your quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I don't think that it hurts to to kind of have that type of wrinkle to the offense um, just so, you know, less reps, stay healthy longer, more longevity for the, uh, for the entire running back room. So – uh, Tennessee, nine days away until kickoff against Ball States. And obviously, I know everybody here listening is ready for that since he continues to finalize. It's too deep and it's plans heading in uh, to Ball State. But as we look ahead, basketball season will be here before you know it. Uh, this is a guy, a young man that won't factor into this season, obviously. But Rob Lewis, uh, Rick Barnes brings in his second 2023 commits uh, last weekend and Freddie DeLoyne, a nice shooting guard, six foot five. And a guy that Tennessee's been following all summer long on the grassroots tour. Yeah, a kid that had, you know, one of the best summers of, of anybody out there. When you're talking about how he elevated his stock from, um, you know, a fringe top 100 player to, you know, a guy that it's it's going to vary, but I would say a consensus top 50 player. Some people have him even closer to the top 25. And um, you know, when you see him play, it's it's not hard to see why he's a six five guard. He's long. Plays, you know, excels on both ends of the court. He can play some point guard if he needed to. Really good score. Um, and what's rare for a young kid, he scores at all three levels. He he can knock down the three. He he's got a nice mid range game and really really a clever finisher in traffic. I mean, not he's not like the most explosive athlete. He's one of those guys that kind of slithers inside. You know, can contort his body. Has really good body control. And um, when he gets in the paint, doesn't have to get all the way to the rim to finish. I mean, at six foot five, he can, if he's got a smaller guy on him, can really pop up and shoot over the top of him. But yeah, a good gift for Tennessee. I mean, it was, it was cutthroat at the end. NC State and Wake Forest were both really selling out to keep him in state. Alabama, who, you know, has, has been recruiting at a high level the past couple of cycles, was a real factor, pushing hard for him. And, um, you know, Tennessee deserves a lot of credit for, a recruitment that was kind of low key back in June and then really heated up in August and um, assistant associate head coach, Justin Ganey doing a lot of work there to, to make that one happen. And, you know, he joins Cade Phillips. who's a pretty legit big guy. You get JP Estrella going next week. A lot of people feel good about where Tennessee stands with Estrella. Who's a really multifaceted six foot 11 kid that can do a lot of different things on the court. If you can lock down those three, that's a pretty good foundation. For, for what's going to be a big class. I mean, Tennessee's going to have a lot of room. Yeah, I was going to ask you what's coming up next, because Tennessee, as you mentioned, does have now two commits, as DeLoy now joins Kate Phillips, and this class is shaping up to to look pretty good, a pair of four stars. Uh, but you mentioned who's on deck. Anybody else in the recruiting world to pay attention to? And anything um, anything over the offseason, any, any team notes, as Tennessee, of course, is getting some offseason work here as uh, the team returns to school. Uh, as far as what's up next, um, you know, get Estrella, who's announcing, uh, I believe that's next Friday, September 2nd. Um, after that, Tennessee has an official visit already scheduled with uh, shooting guard Devin Cosby, who ironically is, is going to be a high school teammate with uh, 
Freddie this year. He's transferring schools to Word of God Academy where, where they'll be teammates if that goes well. You know, if they hit it off, if they've got some chemistry, you have to think that probably helps Tennessee. Um, Tosby, more of a pure shooting guard, whereas uh, Freddie can play, you know, with, on the ball, off the ball. And so th- those two could I, – I think they could fit together. So that's Estrella next week. Cosby, he'd be waiting on that. I think his visit is the Alabama week, so middle of October. I wouldn't expect for anything to happen um, there. And current team, you know, I don't want to – I don't want to punch the hop train too much. You hear a lot of good things about Julian Phillips, but I'm not saying he's going to be Zion Williamson, but I think he's going to be an, an impact guy, um, somebody that, that plays a lot, that, that has a big role in this team, and will you know have some nights where fans you know, think that he's the, one of the best players in the SEC, and then some nights he's going to look like an 18-year-old kid, but he's, he's really, really talented. Um, I think the best thing about this team, when you talk to the coaches, is just the leadership. I mean, just – Starts with Josiah and Santiago and two guys that really run the same page with their head coach, two guys that are, are real comfortable you encourage your teammates if they need it or saying, hey, that's you know, that's not good enough or that's not how we do it around here. So you know, I, I think leadership, I think a nice blend of of veterans and, and incoming talent like Phillips. And um, you know, I think they got a lot of pieces. We'll we'll see. Obviously, a lot of hype for the football team nine days away until it's uh, football time in Tennessee, but uh, tons and tons of good feelings about the Tennessee basketball team. And Rick Barnes picking up his second commit last week in shooting guard Freddie uh, DeLoyne. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Ball Quest podcast, the Smoky Mountain Organics Ball Quest podcast. Remember, there are three locations in East Tennessee, including one right here in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike. You can always shop there or online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Quick reminder, anybody uh, that is interested in sponsorship opportunities for anything VolQuest, shoot our guy Brent an email. Wait for it. Here it is. Get ready to live. VolQuest at AOL.com. Rob Lewis can confirm that is a working email address. It, it absolutely is. And, he, and he's he got the latest. He got the new CD-ROM last week. I heard he, he just he got the latest version. So he is ready to roll. That's VolQuest at AOL.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, football season's here, so no better time to find us on YouTube. That is VolQuest on the YouTube channel as well. Plenty of coverage, VolQuest.com, front page, and the general quarters. We'll be back again on Thursday for a mailbag edition. Get in those questions, but for Austin Price, Rob Lewis, I am Eric Kane. As you listen to the VolQuest podcast, the Smoky Mountain Organics VolQuest podcast, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.